Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. And we're back. We are actually back from Germany. In fact, I got back a few days ago. Paul got back, it feels like, 20 minutes ago. We are both still tired and recovering from our monster Germany trip. We, I, I still kind of can't believe what we did. We're going to give you guys some of the highlights, uh, actually, in this episode. Uh, we've got some of that to discuss, assuming we can both stay awake long enough to actually get this recorded. <laughs> Paul, you still with me? There you are. Good. Yeah, I'm starting I to feel wonder. like the, okay, the jet lag is just kicking me. I, I didn't feel it at the beginning, yeah. strangely, because we were so busy. We were just up late, uh-huh. up early, and the jet lag didn't kick in until later, and I... I felt it big time when I got home. I was just nailed. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, we uh, we we don't we don't want to ruin what's going to happen in the film. We're not going to talk you through what's going to happen in the film. We want to reserve that for the movie. Yeah, but there's some quite. stuff that won't make the film. Some kind of behind the scenes stuff we want to share. You'll kind of get a sense of how the trip went down. So that is coming up in a little while. We definitely want to talk about that some tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, that's going to be fun to. Uh, I mean, fun to recap a little bit. But yeah, definitely behind the scenes and sort of. The uh, the madness and and exciting stuff going on there as well. Well, but, and, and uh, you even you even tacked on the 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 Frankfurt Motor Show to the end. I mean, I had to I had to leave prior, but you even had the chance to go to the Frankfurt Motor Show. Yeah, I went with uh, Thomas, and uh, he and I went together, and that was definitely the the cherry on top. I mean, that was kind of crazy to be doing all that we did, and then yeah, you know, one more day go to the Frankfurt Motor Show. So it was one of the press days, and that was just. Unbelievable! I knew it would be, and uh, I mean, this is a thousand exhibitor exhibitors, and oh, probably one man. of the biggest premier, you know, press days of the biggest motor show worldwide, and mm-hmm, it was a mm-hmm. lot to take in. We were running through this place just to, just to try to get a glimpse of you know everything, and so I, I posted yeah. as best I could. I was tweeting a bunch of photos. You and, did a good job. And, uh, yeah, you did a great job. You know, calling out the, I was jealous. the uh, question that nobody asked for the Bentley Bentayga. If, hopefully that's how you pronounce it. But the thing yeah, the world I, yeah, didn't I, I, need. I want to hear... I want to hear somebody pronounce that, but here's the thing: it's it's the Audi Q7 done for Bentley. I mean, well, or the Porsche Cayenne. I mean, I'll go there. It's 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 that same chassis done for Bentley, uh, but of course everybody's got to be in the SUV game, so they've got to do that. Yeah. How is that Porsche electric car looking though? That was what I was curious about. I've only seen photos. How did that look? You know, they had a mock-up in the Frankfurt airport, and you and I saw that mm-hmm. in there. We saw them assembling it, this briefly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then I saw it up close, and I was. A little bit taken aback. It was a surprise to everybody. They pulled it off, just uh-huh. you know, kind of dropped a bomb on everybody. You could definitely see the lines of where they're going with the Porsche corporate look. You know, lines that have mm-hmm. taken from the 918 mm-hmm. Spider. Um, I I like some angles of it, and others I'm I'm still just warming to. I love Porsches, but this one's a surprise. It's interesting, but I I like what they're doing as far as taking mm-hmm. on. You know, stepping into Tesla's game and that arena, I, I certainly like that. That's it's not just a rebodied Panamera or just a you know, hey, slightly different looking thing. 
Um, it's it's a different concept. Well, I mean, I think it, it was, looks like it interesting. I think it really looks like that nine eighteen because again, we walked by. I mean, I was all but running. We walked <laughs> yeah. by that version in the Frankfurt Motor, uh, Frankfurt Airport, and of course, you got to see the real one. But it, the glance that I got on the photos I've seen, it does look like somebody took a Panamera with a 918 for reference on the wall and rebodied a Panamera like the 918. And I actually mean that as a compliment. I well, think it's yeah. a good direction yeah. to go because we're not fans of the Panamera look. But I'm very curious, and we've said here before, we've said that GM, BMW, and Porsche, one of them, if not all of them, are going to take a throwdown against Tesla. Well, here's Porsche kind of advertising that now. I'm very curious to see where that goes. Uh, but yeah, you got to see it. Those those were the two I was most intrigued by. That and may, did, by the way, did you see the the Jaguar SUV, the the F Pace, which is the weirdest name? I did, and wow, I didn't get a chance to sit in it. It was you know a really long line of of people waiting to sit mm-hmm. in it. But uh, the proportions are great. I, everything there was really really interesting, really great, and what mm-hmm. really threw me. I knew BMW and Mercedes would have a huge presence, but Mercedes took over an entire hall. I mean, think of Good a convention grief. hall, and that That's was astounding. just Mercedes. And then BMW did the same thing, kind of to a, a slightly smaller degree, but they had everything they build. I mean, mm-hmm. you name the variant of the model mm. of the engine, mm. and they had it all. And I, wow. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I knew I was in for something big. And then, of course, Porsches were great. They showed off the new uh, turbo, so now all the 911s are turbos. I don't know yeah. what we'll call the turbo. I'm not sure. I agree. That's the big question. Is the turbo going to still be called the turbo? <laughs> and then isn't that know. ignoring the obvious that they're all turbos now? Um, it's it's very, very odd. Well, but I mean, yeah. It was way, crazy. Whatever. It was nice to sit in a lot of different things. And, you know, they change, change things around. They introduce new models and change things around when it becomes public days. So it was nice to be able to see things up close and really, you know, you see know, the things that I wanted to see, which yeah, was yeah. great. It was great. Well, speaking of speaking of new models, the night we're recording this, there is a weird phenomenon going on. The night we're recording this, which is the night before it's released, actually, we don't always do that, but it's true true this time. And and tonight in New York, they introduced the new Volkswagen Passat, <laughs> which is a bit awkward because that's the first kind of public showing anybody has had since the massive scandalous throwdown of news that's happened for Volkswagen today. We we can't go on without discussing. This uh, I heard somebody call it Dieselgate. I mean, it's it's of course because anything's a scandal. It's yeah, got to be whatever. And, and I, gate, I just right? like to say to the media, any scandal, don't just add the word and gate. Whatever the scandal is yeah, plus gate. I agree. Doesn't with you. make I agree it the buzzword. You. Stop that. I totally agree. I, hate I it. totally agree. So I, yeah, I, I'm prone to agree. I, I had I had to say it because I knew it hit a nerve with you. But anyway, yeah. but, so this Volkswagen emission scandal has just rocked not only the car world today, but I just, financial markets are talking about it. It's one of those stories that is so big in the car world that it's way out of the car world now. By now, there's no question you're probably aware. A couple of you, in fact, a guy, Eric, one of our listeners, sent in a question asking about what did we think about it. So we kind of have to talk about it. We can't avoid that at all. So, man, I, you've been reading about it. I've been reading about it. I have. I've just been pondering it, you know, in relation to... GM's ignition scandal. That's the first thing I can think of for kind of a reference point. Sure, as and far while, as the size you know, of this thing, you mean? Well, yeah, and and, and public perception discussions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have two kind of thoughts that relate to, to GM in relation to the Volkswagen, and that is both of those companies kind of have, to some degree, the same goal. I mean, four or five years ago, Volkswagen announced very publicly they wanted to be the largest automaker in the world. Now, I want to contrast real quickly. 
Largest doesn't mean the best. Largest is the thing you show your investors at every quarter. We're bigger than we were last quarter, and all the investors clap, and everybody buys more stock. I mean, that's really (laughs) – Or or cashes it out, one of the two. (laughs) Exactly. But, I mean, that's what it's for. We want to be the largest company. I mean, hey, I'll go another route. If you and I wanted to be the largest automotive YouTube channel, we would do a ton more product. Right. But the quality wouldn't be nearly as good. Right. If we were just obsessed with output, we could put something out every day. But, you know, I contrast that with, I'm off in the weeds already, but I contrast that with Mazda, who clearly is not trying to be the largest anything. But they've already, you know, they, they used to do Zoom Zoom. Now they've got a new, like, love driving or what, I, I'm going to get it wrong. But whatever their new uh, line is, they're, they're making a point about the fact that all their cars are designed to be fun to drive. Mm-hmm. That speaks to me like crazy as a driver, but sure. Volkswagen wants to be the largest. Well, GM used to be the largest, has been the largest, in and out of being the largest. So, of course, they have this ignition thing, G- General Motors does, on the back of, hey, the government bailed them out, which already had, had pissed a bunch of people off. Then did this ignition thing, but at least in the case of that, Somebody screwed up a part kind of unknowingly, hey, it has this problem, and then they bumbled with how do we solve it. But but it wasn't it wasn't a thing that you got the impression, at least I didn't get the impression, that somebody sat down and went, Let's make a part that doesn't work. You know what right, I mean? They didn't right. deal with it. They didn't deal with the fallout properly, but they didn't set out to do anything that was harmful. That's where this Volkswagen thing I think takes a twist. So spreading on the irony thickly, I read that the uh, Passat reveal in New York was actually held in a greenhouse. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then this happens today. So you're right. Not just apart from us driving enthusiasts, this has rocked the financial world and read that their stock lost 17 or 18 billion worth of of value in a single day, which is staggering. Mm. And yeah, I... I liken it to the, the scandals that we've seen, but it seems like this has got to be up there with one of the biggest, and because they admitted it was malicious. Now, uh, y- mm-hmm. you know, everybody's doing their well, own research. Admitted You're it reading. was on. Admitted hang it was on. on purpose, obviously. Right. Yeah. Hang on. Um, they. Uh, I have read just as as everybody else has online about all the information, and some things that stuck out were this is nothing new. This was actually discovered almost over a year ago, as a matter of fact. Okay. But it wasn't just okay. until a couple weeks ago that Volkswagen actually admitted wrongdoing and essentially mm. malicious mm. intent by changing the code. So they changed the ECU in a testing mode to actually perform at a lower output. It, it changes the, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. You know, the output there. And then you know when it's actually running regularly, then – you know the the car's actually getting yeah. better fuel mileage but completely blowing away the the EPA yeah. emissions requirements yeah, yeah, yeah. which is what they have now admitted to doing so they they were discovered sort of a year ago and then these researchers from Virginia mm-hmm. as you've been reading they have you know kind of went what how are you doing this without the technologies that other car companies are constraining themselves with yeah, how are you actually I was going to bring that up. this yeah 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 and then kind of called them on the carpet and EPA saying okay well, if you're not going to tell us, we're not going to certify your new your new models. We're not going to, mm-hmm, you know, we're not going to go through with that. So tell us how you're doing this. Why is it changing? Why is there this discrepancy? If you won't tell yeah. us what's the, what's going on here, and that's yeah. when they admitted, okay, we're actually intentionally committing wrongdoing here. That's the well, yeah, biggest I mean, the, part. The rest- yeah, the rest the rest of the industry has to do that urea injection. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Mercedes is the first one I think of with their blue tech. I mean, they have to do that urea injection, which is literally like, what is that? Uh, sheep urine or something? I mean, it's 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 ridiculous in order to actually counteract the de- bad parts of diesel. And let's be honest, right? America America has not looked fondly on diesel automobiles ever to begin with, right? And I feel like in the last ten years or so, there's slowly been a shift in the tide. Well, that all got killed by this. I mean, people are going to look down on diesel automobiles even more and for a longer period because yeah. I think about how when this happens to car companies. People that are what I would describe as fringe car people, people that aren't, that kind of know cars, embed themselves with that brand is the worst thing ever. Happened with the mm-hmm. Audi scandal in the, the, the 90s about, you know, Audi unintended acceleration, which was actually faked. Which was there were actually untrue, just, we, yeah. Exactly. There are all these people that were like, can't buy an Audi. You, you have now the, the GM gets bailed out and they have the ignition thing. I guarantee you 10 years from now, there'll be people going, GM makes terrible cars. And it'll be like, but why do you say that? This is going to affect some people's perception of diesel and Volkswagen for a decade or more. I have no doubt. Now, I'm not saying that's across the board. People that are serious enthusiasts will look at it, hopefully, with a little bit more like broad perspective. But this will be a huge blow in perception. And mm-hmm. I just that that's the thing that astounds me about it is is people are going to to think, well, Volkswagen's dishonest. And, well, absolutely. You know, are they? You know, are are they across the board? What was the thinking here? Does this reply to their gas vehicles? But can I can I say something that that's crossed my mind? That I'm being subversive here, but I have this thought. Okay. I'm not excusing them doing this in any way, shape, or form. Okay. But it seems to me there's actually quite a bit of cheating already going on, and I'm just going to level level the level the target at turbos in general. Okay. Most every car company, because of having uh, you know traction control systems, you have a testing mode. Because when you put a car on a rolling road, if you want to call it that, or you know whatever you want to call them, uh, you put it on that to test these things. The traction control kind of freaks out because half the car is doing something, the other half doesn't. So most of them have a testing mode. Sure, you probably you're also about a dyno noticed or a rolling road or something. Like exactly, that. a dyno rolling whatever it is. You put it, you put it on there, and half the wheels are moving. You have right. to turn the trash control off so it doesn't start freaking out. So that's kind of how these Volkswagens get in this quote unquote testing mode that now makes the car run differently, that makes it measure differently. But most of your current EPA hero figures are happening on these tiny turbo engines that are being driven on an EPA cycle that is below the turbo's engagement. Obviously, that's all known, but. I would argue that's kind of cheating too, because anybody with any half, you can have half the lead foot that I do, and you will get nothing like those MPGs. But it got past oh. the EPA of great motor. I mean, where, where's the line? Is kind of what I'm asking. Yes. But I'll go one further. Yes, kind of. Uh, keep going. Uh, kind of. Oh, well, I'll, I'll go one further. I mean, look, I realize, I feel like that's a gray area. The Volkswagen thing isn't a gray area, but I feel like that's a gray area. But I will go one further. We don't know. I'm not saying this is true, but I am theorizing. Do we really think Volkswagen's the only one doing anything like this? Well, I mean, so far, it, yes, you, because you, every other car company has to use urea, and they're the only ones not, and every other car manufacturer is pulling their hair out going, how are you guys not using this injection system and and gaining the you know the emissions the claimed emissions output that you are I, I along hear you. with the no MPG. I hear you on, we, on we the can't diesel do it, thing so yes how are you guys doing it 
Agreed. And that Agreed. Was the and the diesel thing is a massive discrepancy. But I'm just saying in general, is it possible? And I don't know. I'm just saying, is it possible that other car companies, when you put their cars in test mode, they are instantly running differently than they would have outside of test mode because these testing procedures are in place? Now, obviously, Volkswagen has made a huge faux pas here. They have done yeah. it to a huge degree, and there is no hiding. But I, I have to ponder if you know your car is going to be tested this way, all the car makers know this. If you have to have a testing mode for your car, why on earth doesn't every car suspiciously have some sort of ECU thing to make it run a little bit differently? I'm not saying to this degree, but I, I, it, I kind of am boggled to think that – look, I don't know. Possibly. I don't know. The turbo I'm not thing, saying I think the, it's true. I'm just being suspicious. Yes, I, I understand. But the turbos, you know, operating at lower output, it's not changing the ECU of the car. It's just operating at a lower right. output, whereas this is, is a deliberate change to everything about yes. the ECU that is, you know, creating a much you know lower output. You're, you're, uh, you're changing everything about the the intake, all that stuff. You know, the uh, the mixture, the all that stuff. I totally agree. No, so, you're right. You're right. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm well, not. Shoot, I'm not Hyundai trying to undermine. Uh, a couple years yes. ago for their you yes, know, for hey, Lion. Yep. why aren't we getting the mileage we're supposed to be getting that you're claiming Hyundai? And mm -hmm. they kind of mm -hmm. admitted mea culpa and said, you're right. We kind of yep. fudged the yep. numbers. That was for mileage specifically. So, yes, I'm sure every car maker is trying to, you know, to push, which is a good thing. We want our car manufacturers to to try to, you know, yeah, get better mileage and, and lower emissions outputs, that kind of thing. But obviously, let's get their you know, honestly, let's do it honestly. And I, and yeah, I mean, ho hopefully, but, but, you know, when you're doing a volume product like this, what starts happening and this Volkswagen thing is an extreme example, but you start designing something around your problem versus designing it better. Oh, if they're going to test the car this way, let's set it up to pass that test versus let's make it better across the board in that area, right. which is a very different approach. But once you get into volume, and again, I come back to if, if you've set out to say our company is going to be the largest in this area, well, now your concern is volume and show stuff at the quarterly report more than it is, are we making the best product possible? Yeah. We're just making more of it. Every I mean, company let's, does let's that, aside from automotive of course companies. They do. Every company, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. top leaders make those decisions, and that's exactly why the uh, Justice Department is considering going after individual people in the company, not the company as a whole, because those kinds of decisions you're talking about – those were made at the top of the decision-making chain, yeah. which yeah. means yeah. that trickled down, especially in a top-down run company like Volkswagen, that's the kind of thing that they're considering, which is a scary precedent now. And, well, and, and the, to your and the point, fallout remains. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say, to your point, a couple things that really bummed me out about this is, you know, yes, Americans and everybody worldwide – we care about mileage. We care about MPG. But now when you're talking mm -hmm. about 40% worse emissions or, or 40 times the output of what you thought or was claimed, that's a mm -hmm. health issue now. That far oh, takes agreed. precedence oh, over yeah, yeah, yeah. any MPG that you could possibly get. I mean, the, the diesel particulate emissions are now – that's a f affecting health, especially for people who live by freeways in major cities. It's a mm -hmm. big deal. Mm -hmm. And then secondly sure. is the perception of Americans, especially the perceptions of diesels, which bums me out because yeah. Volkswagen yeah. operates some of the world's most premium brands, including Lamborghini, Porsche, Bugatti, yeah. Yeah. Audi, you know, Ducati by virtue of Audi, on and on and on. I mean, they are at the top of the food chain, yeah. especially in terms of German engineering. 
And I think, oh, come on, guys. So you think, all right, did that corporate decision-making make its way and warm its way into other brands? Horrors. Mm. I'm going. Yeah, you're right. I mean, what are these repercussions? Yeah, as unbelievable as it is to say, there is wide-reaching trickle-down here, and I think the fallout of it is literally this is step one. Because, you know, the other figure that's been thrown around here has been $18 billion. That's right, billion with a B, and that is the and potential fines. fine. Yeah. And people are coming to that figure by simple math because the, the, the EPA apparently restrictions say that if you get caught with a car on the road that breaks these restrictions, we can charge you like $38,000 per vehicle, and they're talking about a half million vehicles. So it's just the, the scale of this is astronomical. And, you know, I, we've talked up TDIs. So many journalists, people talked up TDIs in general right. as, you know, this green alternative. Well, that clearly was a lie. So it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, let's be, I mean, seriously. And th- now this is the trickle down to our listeners beginning. who own these cars. And now what mm-hmm, about your mm-hmm. resale value? Do you keep the car? Do you keep driving it? Remains to be seen. Of course, it's your car. You kind of have to drive it. This is what you own right well, now. And you know, and you know that eighteen billion is supposed to be the government fine. You know there is some large law firm right now with a list of every TDI owner in in, in North <laughs> oh America gosh. that will be sending them letters. Do you want to get in a class action suit over and above the government fine to sue Volkswagen for your being lied to, your health concerns? I mean, you can get money out of a company for health yeah. concerns. That's when the huge stuff happens. So I think this is just beginning, and I think it's going to be a horror show. It's it's shocking, though, because, I mean, it's one of those things that I, I, it always shocks me when this kind of stuff happens. One of those things that we get to the back of it now and we go, well, yeah, why weren't you using urea mm-hmm. injection? How were you pulling? Now it feels so clear, but while it was right. happening, we were all like, this is amazing. And that happened <laughs> Those a lot. crazy That's not just German engineers, case. they figured it out. Exactly. The rest of us they did something cool. So anyway, somehow. so, wow. We, we, should, we should probably move on, but I'm just, I, we couldn't not talk about it. We probably could keep talking about it. But well, I yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like this is an ongoing thing as more information comes yeah. out and the class yeah. actions start. And then, again, coming down to our listeners and the people who own these cars, if you do, I'm curious to know what you think. You know, write to us. I'm I'm curious to know where where you guys stand on this as well because we're bummed, we're disappointed with Volkswagen, as is everybody. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they need to make it right. They need to quite literally clean up their act. And you know, <laughs> I don't know what that'll look like. It might be an ECU change. It might be an update for everybody who owns this car. But then, what do you do? Yeah. Do you sell yeah, yeah. your car because who's going to buy it now? What a bummer. Maybe they'll buy them mm-hmm. back. And until then, just keep driving it and but, keep enjoying and good mileage. Curious, <laughs> I guess I'll be I'll be curious to see the gut the 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 general kind of public's perception because I feel like I've bumped into a lot of people tangentially who have got a thing against GM because of the combination of bailout and ignition. So my uh, question is: Is well, this going is this going to spark the same level of vitriol from people against Volkswagen that I feel like has been leveled at GM? Possibly. Every car company's got their issues, but I'm just yeah. really curious. don't get me wrong. Ford I don't with Firestone want that. tires, Hyundai with their mileage screw Exactly. Exactly. Pick so a I'm car just, company; they've all had it. Toyota. Yeah, I'm curious to see what this does. Yeah, exactly. Toyota's unintended acceleration thing right. as well. What right. does this do for perception? And all things considered, I feel like Toyota came out kind of fine. 
But you know oh. they had a, they had a rough year for a while. But 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 no, I feel like ultimately people were like, oh, but it's Toyota. They fixed it. Their cars are great. I feel like I'm talking about non-enthusiasts now, like fringe car people. Yeah. I feel like Toyota came out the best out of that. GM is still reeling from a lot of people's perception. What does this do to Volkswagen? We want to hear from you guys on it because yeah, exactly. it's, this is ongoing. It's very ongoing. Well, um, yeah. We'll just have to wait and you see know, and keep reading the news, I guess. I, I, but, I want to um, talk about I want to talk about some stuff that happened in Germany. But before we do that, I want to mention uh, Patreon real quick. Uh, we have a lot of you guys that are patrons on Patreon. Thank you uh, for this Germany trip and just our productions in general. Anything you support us with on Patreon goes directly into making more show. And uh, some of our patrons actually will get our latest movie, our Germany movie. They'll get that for free because they're at a patron level that allows that. And uh, the guys up at Roads Untraveled in Canada, Marcus and the other guys that work on that show, they have their own YouTube channel. They're supporting us at a very high level because they realize what it requires to do this show. So thank you to those guys and their YouTube channel, Roads Untraveled. Hopefully, you know, they will keep supporting us. But but you know what? If you want to support us at any level, guess what? This is how more show gets made. It just helps. This is how the films get made, and you know, speaking of dollars, that all went right into the making of the Germany film, and we can't wait to share our experiences with you and share the finished piece with yeah. you. But man, all the planning—I I have to say—all the planning, all the thinking that we've been doing, um, you know, just trying to get press cars. That was really the biggest issue: is trying to pull mm -hmm. press cars right up until you know the last part of it, and. Part of our trip oh, yeah. was kind of centered around the fact that, you know, I was going to be in Germany and the, the fact that the Frankfurt Motor Show was already going on kind of prevented us from pulling a lot of press cars that I feel like would have been a far easier. I got a lot of response from just about every Certainly company saying, harder, yeah. thank you so much, but you know what? Unfortunately, all of our cars are going to the big show. And I said, you know what? I, I don't blame you. I, I yeah, certainly understand. Yeah. I mean, you know, started reaching out to a lot of the tuners in Germany. There's a boatload of tuners there, by the way. I mean... So more many. than twenty, more than twenty. I've rattled off, and and uh, you know a lot of those folks, you know, had display stands there at, at Frankfurt. So um, well, yeah, I just mean, all we these were, dollars we on, pouring into we the were film. On phones, <laughs> we were on phones, planning things, trying to lock things down until literally it was still going on once we were in the country. I mean, we were driving our first day, we were driving to the ring and we got in with a company called RSR that was really helpful for the ring and for spa for those track cars. But literally a half hour from the ring on day one, we're already inside the trip, was when we finally confirmed we could even go to spa. I mean, I would like to think, you would hope from a film production standpoint, all of these details are settled before production starts. Not in this case. We're in the, well, in the process of going, going to. In. We kind of knew it would be we flexible did. going in. We did, but that doesn't Somewhat. make it fun or enjoyable. I mean, you know, <laughs> no. listen to our mid and mountains discussion last year about all that went wrong that we had to kind of roll with. I mean, that's the nature of these productions a lot of times. But, you know, we got to the ring to talk to the guys at RSR. And literally, we knew a half hour before talking to them, oh, yeah, we are actually going to spa now. We knew 20 minutes ago. You know, I mean, that was just the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the madness. But, I mean, just but just getting there was difficult. I mean, I lost my bag. Right. I you mean, had that, troubles that, with, you know, uh, with airlines. That was crazy. Unbelievable. Well, I mean, I had to get you, – you and I talked about this for a while. I, I was on vacation with my wife prior. So I actually kind of transitioned in the middle of the trip, which is also like – a massive no-clutch-engagement gear shift in my head. But <laughs> but seriously, in Heathrow, transitioned to Frankfurt to meet up with Paul mm -hmm. and was in this weird behind-security 
security doesn't exist anymore world that happens behind closed doors at airports. I'm changing terminals. I'm getting on buses. I'm walking by security personnel. I haven't gone through customs. I haven't done a security check. You should have had check. a GoPro strapped to your head just to document the madness that you went through. It was through. the craziest thing. I'm going down <laughs> these weird empty hallways with like two other people and these signs for transfers. I'm transferring over the entire airport going, does anybody work here? Is there going to be a security guard? What's going on? I walked up to the one security check, and it said, please show your boarding pass, which I didn't have yet because I was transferring and needed to, needed to actually check in. And I said to the guy, yeah, I'm transferring. I have to get a boarding pass. He said, yeah, I know. Go to the left. Like, well, I could be anybody. But, but, I mean, but, I, but. <laughs> yeah. In, in in the granted, in the American paranoia post nine eleven world, this was mind warping to me. But but I wound up. I mean, the way my flights worked, I actually wound up in Heathrow, but then had to start a, a completely new itinerary. I had traveled. If you know Heathrow at all, I went from Terminal Five to Terminal Two, which is essentially across the airport, a ten minute bus ride. I had about a two-hour connecting time, and when I checked into my new flight, I said to the guy, is there any chance my bag's going to make it? I suspecting his answer, which was, yeah, it's, it's not going to make it. So I wind up in Frankfurt. <laughs> Bursting I meet up into with uncontrollable Paul. laughter. <laughs> seriously, seriously. He's like, no. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I connect up with Paul with literally, literally the clothes on my back, which, by the way, was not my everyday driver uniform which I'm supposed to wear for the next five days while we shoot a film. So uh, so I did not have a red shirt. I know that, that may warp some of your minds, but uh, still had the hair because that doesn't come off. But the red shirt was not on. So anyway, so I had no bag. But because I'd also changed airlines, neither airline really was tracking the bag anymore. You know, so it's this uh, weird, weird world. I was just thinking as a filmmaker, you know those films um, that are different people's perspectives and then somewhere in the middle of the film, they all meet. So you're watching like four different films. And it'd yeah. be Edgar, you, yeah. me, and Thomas. And just yeah. all the different experiences we had. Because I was doing yeah. completely different things. You know, picking up the Cayenne. You were fighting uh -huh. for your bag. Edgar was flying in. He, you know, he was wearing uh -huh. his camera practically. Thomas Seriously, and I were yeah. together. And then, you know, that would have been kind of a cool... Short film it's the everyday driver. It's the everyday driver Rashomon Germany trip. Yeah, yes, wouldn't that be cool? That you know, been, sort of like and that then would be finally, very bizarre. Like, Edgar pops out, you know, of the airport, and then I, you know, we find your bag finally, and you know, now now available on Blu-ray. Watch it in the different <laughs> uh, cool. variations. It's a, it's an hour-long film uh, redone with every perspective. The editor in me just had a heart attack, by the way, at this idea. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. But I mean, but so ultimately, fun. I mean. It would be cool to watch. It would be hellish to work on. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Strange. so finally I wound up in Frankfurt, obviously now out of security, out of customs, looking for a bag that nobody wants to claim. And I won't bore you with all the details, but ultimately we found like the secret sauce where you go down the hallway and stand in front of this one door and wave the secret high they sign. And they let you the through. around the campfire three times and rub your belly Seriously. and they let you in. And they, then... they, let you, they let you through to <laughs> bag claim, which is, by the way, back outside of customs. Yeah, and I'm standing there watching bag spin, looking for my bag, and ultimately, ultimately, I was right place, right time. Neither of the airlines really knew where my bag was, and it was right in front of me. And I just picked it up and went, "Thank you," and left, and promptly went on a trip. And we got into our red Cayenne GTS. Yeah, I was going to say. Meanwhile, I, I was picking this up. It was um, yeah. We got a red Cayenne yeah, from go Porsche, and it was uh, a special request that I had made in the U.S. Who you know they contacted their sort of HQ, contacted the mothership in Germany, 
And uh-huh. uh, I had told him specifically what we wanted this car for. It was for four guys, all the gear, bombing around Germany. Well, not bombing, but you know what I mean. Um, driving around Germany, high speed to connect the dots, yep. to connect the yep. film. And it was the linchpin. I, I cannot imagine a better car in which to do this, to have gear, high speeds. I mean, we well, were setting personal yeah. high speed records in this thing on the Autobahn. And, casually, uh, <laughs> casually setting those records. Just after I breakfast. Mean, uh, my, my, personal, <laughs> my personal record going into the trip, my personal like sustained speed record, okay, was about 140. Okay. Okay? Yeah. When I got in the Cayenne, when I first arrived, our first little bit of Autobahn, which wasn't very, uh, very long, beat my record. First, first little <laughs> bit. First, I, 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 I've, I've been in the country like five minutes. I've been in the Cayenne like three. Okay, you know. Awesome. Oh, by the way, just, just blew through 140. There it was. It went by. Bye bye. It wasn't until you got about 150, 160 in that car before, and that was again four guys, four huge Pelican cases, all of our personal gear, lots of stuff in this. Just, I felt like you had to get over 150 before you started to feel like, okay, all right, yeah, this is fast. It's made me want that car more than ever, but you know, twice the well, price of a you're, Jeep Grand Cherokee. So you're yeah. you're fish in a barrel when it comes to Porsches, but I, uh, but I, I know, hear you. And of course, the GTS has you know nearly twice the horsepower of the Cayenne I have. But anyway, but, but you know, of one power. of the one Just of the many awesome. things that that Tom Tom there with us Helmanzik, he was actually uh, he runs a, a channel called Autobahn Driver, and most of what he does on that channel, he does some car reviews, but he also does high speed blasts, and so he does a lot of Autobahn work. He's a German national. He was with us. He was our he was our kind of local ringer. Yeah, he was and, a guy. Uh, and. He was making all kinds of comments, thank you, Tom, about how to drive the Autobahn. But it was funny to hear him kind of like the little bird over your shoulder because when you get over 130 kilometers an hour, you are, A, the fastest moving thing, and, B, you are now responsible for being the fastest moving thing. Somebody gets in your way, that's actually now your fault, not there. Now, yeah. generally, they're pretty good. But what what ridiculous speed did you hit? I I forget. We did a you were you were moving. It was uh, all of us uh, headed out to Belgium, Western Germany, down a hill at 276 kilometers an hour. I, I looked down, briefly saw 276, and that worked yep. out to about what 172 in a Cayenne, yep, in a brick, in a Cayenne, full of, painted full of like a brick. Yeah. It was yeah. this well, bright red Cayenne. Well, we were both surprised how much that car got looks. Oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. never expected. I never expected a Cayenne to turn heads, <laughs> especially not in Germany. That red Cayenne got just heads on a swivel everywhere we went. I'm including the ring when I say that. We're driving yeah, around we the ring. Every cool car everywhere. you can imagine is around the ring, and the Cayenne would drive by, and people would just stare. And I'm like, really? This has got you staring? <laughs> Did you see the three car. cool cars? <laughs> we it's kept joking cool, with Edgar, like, we're balling. All right. It's cool. It, it, it's, it's cool, but at the same time, with the kind of stuff that's, that's rolling around the ring, I couldn't believe that car turned heads. But, I mean, it was great and and being at the ring but by, by the way i have to bring up the driver's meeting oh yeah ring. oh yeah the the driver's meeting that scared both of us to death i mean uh, this is this is the drivers rsr meetings. driver's meeting this is specific to rsr yeah. because we were renting yeah. their track cars and mm-hmm. they were walking us through a lot of good information that many people who drive the ring don't have and this is why mm-hmm. i spent most of today watching nurburgring crash videos of 
stupid idiots because it's <laughs> a toll road, many, it's many, not many. a track. I, I'm fascinated yeah. by this yeah, because yeah. RSR walks you through, hey, here's what to do. If you do have an off, if you have an accident, here's what to do, here's how to behave, here's what to do with your car, here's where to go. All those kinds of things that are important that you get as instruction at a regular track, but most people don't yeah. because yeah, it's yeah. a toll road. So that was well, the difference. You, you have the guys in their family cars with their family, no helmets, just seat belts, and you have the guy next to them in the fully race prepped, literally, you name it, with the guy in a racing suit right. and a helmet. And right. everybody's out there together. One of those two may have done the track before, but neither of those two should be on the track together, and yet they are. And that's just the beginning of traffic. But, I mean, also this driver's meeting talked about here's corners that everybody screws up. Here's how they screw them up. Here's how to not screw them up. They had a little asterisk on one of their, like, PowerPoint things that was, if it's raining and you're in a rear-wheel drive car, please come in. Yeah, that that was a scary sight. And the Talk other about thing daunting. That's... I mean. The other thing that uh, that really struck fear into me was the replacement cost for each of the cars that they rent. Oh my god! And they gosh. actually had a list. You're so right. With You're the so euro right. replacement, because the insurance uh-huh. covered uh-huh. some of it, but then you're responsible for a portion of that, and that portion yep. is still way more than most people have in their bank accounts. I mean, a Renault Megane well, yeah. or Clio was seventeen thousand euro or something that you're responsible for if you mm-hmm. ball this thing into the Armco. Well, I'm looking at the you, – you and I – and I, I don't want to ruin it, but you and I had a, a steadily escalating list of cars we went through <laughs> thanks to RSR. So this is why this driver's meeting was scary. You and I have done plenty of driver's meetings. I have never let the driver's meeting scared. But here's why this one spooked the <laughs> heck out of me. Because they put this list up. You're right. They put this list up. And I'm reading. I'm, I'm going ahead and, and like – spying all the cars that we're getting ready to drive and i'm like tallying up in my head if we ball any of those and i'm quickly realizing quickly realizing that if you and i have a wreck show's over (laughs) we'll be paying off those cars indefinitely there is no more show and that's just the car by the way you have to pay for the armco that you run into and break the labor on replacing said armco and if your damage to your car spills something on the track that causes others to damage their cars, guess what? You're on the hook for that as well. I must have come out of that driver's meeting white as a sheet because I was sitting here going, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash, because it was just all I was seeing was dollar signs. And I realize that's the point. You and I still drove actually very fast on the ring because, we of did. course, you get in a car and now you're like, well, let's just drive. But there was that split second the, between the, the get out of the driver's meeting and get in the driver's seat where it's like, no, no, head. no. They should yeah. put those on the helmets. They should print out that driver's list, the meeting, all the uh, the replacement fees <laughs> if you crash. So the, the Armco truck, removing the damaged Armco, the replacement, removing the post, the safety car attendance. Oh, circuit closure is 1,350 euro per hour, which you're responsible Ugh. for if you close the track. And then, Ugh. you know, the recovery truck and towing and but what's, hospital but here's stay. The thing. And, yeah. The, and it's then you expensive. go out. We we drove we drove weeknights and we also drove on a weekend. The Saturday we were there, you would you would think there'd be some level of concern going on in people around you. No, there isn't. <laughs> There's crashes all the time. And despite all what we're telling you, there were crashes four crashes all in one of your laps. Yes. Four. I I did one lap, one lap of this track, and there were four serious crashes. In a single lap. <laughs> and this, after we've gotten done telling you all the replacement costs, all that you're responsible for, if Doesn't you've another driver, you're responsible for them, uh, track closures, Armco, tow truck, on and on and on. And by the way, the fact that your car is now toast, yeah, yeah. people are still and just... It's 
it's one Flat of out. it's one of the best examples of human denial I have ever seen. Because when the track closes, seriously, when the track closes, everybody stands around in the, in the like the parking lot by this place called the Devil Diner, which, by the way, worst burger ever. Should've think of salad. like high school. Think I oh, can't yeah. imagine that was any better. Think about high school cafeteria right. food and go down a notch. Anyway, but seriously, yeah, it, it turns like, into a car show. Everybody's just stagnant, and it's just everybody. But everybody's vibe. sitting around, sitting around, all frustrated because idling. the tracks closed. Man, yeah. I can't believe the tracks closed. I'm frustrated. I'm waiting. You're waiting. We're all pissed off. Can't wait to get back on the track. Who was the idiot? And then here comes the parade of flatbeds with crumpled car, cubed M3, you know, sweeper truck. <laughs> Nobody seems to notice that well, this is so happening. Well, what's so funny is no. It, it drives out, and everybody's like, ooh, oh, and then the track opens, and we're all like, okay, let's go. All right, high speed, let's You're right. go. You're, it's like, it's such did you denial. not just see it's the Audi S4 denial. that was upside down exactly. on the stupid tow truck, crushed in exactly the right. scrap metal? No. They're, 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 they're pulling cars off that look like they came out of a construction derby, <laughs> destruction derby, and nobody bothers to think, huh, Maybe I should actually worry about that corner. We're just all like, get out of my way, man. It's my exactly, turn. It's like, my turn. Well, now the idiots are off the track. Now we can actually go fast. Like, no, and then, no. And then we'd go out. All day Saturday, it was one lap, track was closed. One lap, track was closed. <laughs> yeah. Every single time, somebody took out, like, layers of the Armco balling up their car. And we all got frustrated and waited, and I can't believe it happened. And then it was, let's go flying again. I mean, yeah. I love it, and yet I sit there and scratch my head and go, how are we this stupid? I, I, while, while being part of it. While being <laughs> part of it. Because we're I car guys. That's why. Oh, yeah. You know it. You it's know a it. disease. And, yeah, I mean, that is the reality of the ring, along with massive amounts of traffic because every enthusiast yep. wants to go there. Which is the whole reason we did. Mm -hmm. We wanted to experience that. But the traffic alone on a weekend, everybody comes there. It is the place mm -hmm. to be. And so you're dealing with all kinds of people. And the biggest thing I noted is the, the degree of skill in various cars or lack thereof. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. the the appearance of a car or, you know, whatever that car is, if it's a high performance car, has nothing to do with the driver's skill. Absolutely yeah, nothing. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yep. It's yep. a car show. I mean, it's a race. It's a toll road. It's a just a madhouse of mishmash mm -hmm. and all this stuff all in one thing. And then the track closes. So well, everybody goes. You, you never know. I, I, I felt like you and I were doing a decent job of being like mid-pack speed-wise. Mm -hmm. There were plenty of guys far faster than we were. There were plenty of people we were passing. I feel like most laps, I was almost equal, being passed and passing others. Yeah. But what was crazy is, you may be passing a Volkswagen Polo right now, and then following that, you may actually pass a 911 GT3, but then right. brace yourself, because here comes another Volkswagen Polo passing you like you're parked. And then here comes some guy in a beat down. I can't even recognize what that is. Is that a Seat? It's got body panels falling off of it. And he's catching the polo. Right. And, and they go moving. by in a blur. And it's like, how is this happening? You're, you're right. There was no telling. When you got passed by a Porsche GT3, you kept thinking, well, you better pass me. But well, you yeah. may have passed one as well. But then I, the, the, I got the range by, was unbelievable. I got passed by a black 458 Italia. I'm thinking, wow, okay, this guy must be really good. And then I, he passed me, and I think, that's the wrong line. Not sure. That looks like the, <laughs> all the stability stuff is kind of saving him. Next lap, the photo goes out. Everybody sees it. Yeah, the black 458 wrapped around Armco. Like, done. Ugh. Like, 
yeah. scrap metal, yeah. haul it to the dump kind of thing. Going, oh man, all right. Well, what what do you do? I mean, you just go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, moving on. I guess. I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, what what, <laughs> what all a right. nice problem to have. Just Talk about first world problems. Yeah, went to the ring this morning, wrecked my four fifty eight. All right, let's go to lunch. <laughs> Yeah, unbelievable. I just, but we're so excited about the film. What was cool about being there is all of the people that we met that are you guys that are fans of the show. Yeah, that, that were was there cool. doing what we're doing. That were there to do. You know, let's go to Germany. Let's experience the Audubon. Let's go to the Ring. Let's try to go to Spa. I mean, we met Charlie and Chuma. That was uh, like that was one of our days at the Ring. Of course, we weren't hard to spot. I mean, it's Paul <laughs> and I walking side by side wearing the uniform and the red and blue. Right, you right. know, walking billboard for the show. If you've watched you probably know who that is. So they were like, hey, the Everyday Driver guys, which was really cool. Thank it you guys for saying fun. something. We, we stopped and talked to them. Apparently, those boys can drive. They were taking Johnny Lieberman for a ride right before they met up with us. Oh, and they nice. they had M3s and an M4, and they were hauling. Nice. So uh, it was cool to see them. But we also saw... Uh, Others. There was that guy. What was his name? When we we stepped out of uh, the M3, you and I were trading up the oh, M3. Oh, John Yu. There was that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I you took had, a photo of him and, talk with and him. Uh, yeah. Well, he took a photo of me. His girlfriend did, and then he he tweeted at us, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad he did because it just it shows that you know, hey, thanks for stopping and saying hello, and and we love yeah definitely meeting people when we're out doing stuff like this, and it was crazy because I. I didn't expect it. I mean, okay, maybe, but you know, just the amount of enthusiasts that go there, it was just yeah. sheer numbers. And we even ran into mm-hmm, Scott mm-hmm. out at Spa too. He, he, I, he was driving yeah. his friend's uh, Cayman S, and I said, "Hey, man, nice car." Mm-hmm. And then he came back in the second lap, and he went, "Are you Paul?" And I went, "Hey, man, <laughs> thanks for watching. Yeah. Awesome." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very so fun. Cool. Very fun. And there was well, there was that guy Eric at RSR too. That we like our last day at at, at the oh, ring. Oh yeah, yeah. Eric pulls in in his rental. I don't even remember what it was, but he had a rental irrelevant hatchback. Was it a Volkswagen he Diesel? Was there I, I, maybe that would have been nice, wouldn't it? But he was there to rent the the Renault Megane at RSR and try out the Ring, which was cool. So Eric said hi as well. I mean, we just kept we kept seeing people that that knew who we were. And again, like I say, you know, we were wearing the uniform, but uh, knew who we were yeah. and said something. So thanks thanks to all of you guys for taking the time to say something. Thank you for watching and listening. Uh, this film is coming. I mean, again, the Ring and Spa and Fast Autobahn and us hanging out and being idiots. And all of that, what more could you want? Well, I keep uh, you know promoting our prior two films that are Blu-rays, so you can download them on Vimeo, but they are also Blu-rays. And yeah, the big yeah. looming question is for this film, what do you guys want? Do you want it on Blu-ray, hard copy? We were just mm, mm, initially thinking yeah. Vimeo, just a digital download or digital rental. And the question yeah. for our audience, the question for you listening is, what do you want? Do you want this film on hard copy? Do you want it just digital? Yeah, do you download? want it available on Blu-ray too? Yeah. What uh, What do you guys want? Because that we we kind of it would be good to have some feedback so we can kind of plan budget for the yeah the Blu-ray yeah. pressings and the cover. I mean, it's going to be available all that. Yeah, it's going to be available on Vimeo either way. That's going to exist. You can have it as yeah. digital download. Yeah, yeah. And I mean. It's Numbers-wise, you guys have been great and preferred the the digital, which isn't surprising. I mean, it's 2015. Of course you do. But, look, I'm a guy that likes Blu-ray. The image quality and sound quality of the Blu-ray is better than the digital download. It definitely Mm -hmm. is. Uh, that delivery device. I mean, seriously, it looks like 4K coming off the Blu-ray, even though it isn't. So I'm a big fan of that. But honestly, I hadn't thought of doing a Blu-ray on this one until we did the trip. And I realized there's three or four things we did that don't don't really belong in the film, but they're kind of fun. 
And that's the perfect kind of stuff to make is like extras on a Blu-ray. Nice so I'm really extras. I'm sitting here debating. Uh, granted, I have to edit all this, but I'm sitting here debating. <laughs> you know, should we do a Blu-ray anyway? Right. So yeah, you guys chime in for us. Let us know what you think, and uh, and that will be coming in December. We'll keep you informed as we get closer to it. Uh, this is just kind of the non-film high points or low points of being there. And uh, I, man, I'm I'm itching to get this footage out. Every time I see it, just a glimpse of it, I I can't believe we did it, and I'm so excited to share. This is going to be awesome. Well, I'm uh, trying, doing my best here to ramp the Instagram thing for Everyday Driver back up here. I've been admittedly lagging behind on that, but in the meantime, Twitter, Facebook, but uh, check us out on Instagram mm-hmm. too. I'm trying to post some juicy shots. Trying to do one a day in the, in that range, and uh, just trickle things out from uh, our experiences at Frankfurt. Goodwood, Pebble yeah. Beach, and Monterey, yeah. our our film here, and just general shoots. So all that will be coming. And, uh, yeah, write to us. Give us a comment. Shout it out. And um, curious to know about rate your Rate the podcast as well. Ownership. Yeah, rate the podcast. Yeah, it's that's true. One. Yeah. And uh, what else we're if you, if you're on If you're on Stitcher or iTunes, mm-hmm. definitely give us a rating and a review. You guys have been doing that a lot lately. Thank you. And you know what? Without us doing a thing, we were off in Germany with almost no Wi-Fi that reception cool. at all. And yet the podcast is hanging out in the top ten, which that was awesome. Was and that is cool. entirely due to you guys doing ratings and sharing, and it was up there. So when you do it, it does matter. Keep doing that. Of course, you can find us, slash Everyday Driver, wherever you are. That's what Paul is saying. So Instagram, Facebook, whatever. If you're writing to us, though, remember it is TV at Gmail, and we are reading all of your YouTube comments, all of your emails, one of the two of us, and sometimes both of us are reading it. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't get a response, we promise you, yes, we did see that comment. I think I saw YouTube comments saying, kind of sort of mocking you, saying we read everything. I saw that in there. Like, yep. Hey, it's we true. We even saw that. It's true. So, um, we even saw you mocking the fact that we read it all because guess what? <laughs> we do read it all. I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, we're back from Germany and uh, planning more stuff and uh, onwards.